Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, along with my co-host, Susie Porton. Time for the last edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child of 2015. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Dr. Green? I am well. Um, trying to enjoy the warm weather, just hoping it's not due to global warming, but um, one never knows these days. Um, no snow here in Portland, Maine. How about in upstate New York? 63 degrees Goodness. and sunny. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I hope it's not global warming. It might Me not too. be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is our last program of 2015, and um, we've got a bunch of email to answer as always, but also a great day to call in. That number is 347-994-2981. Then press 1. Please. Outstanding. Um, <laughs> I had a wonderful time in Alaska, where I spoke to a whole bunch of people last Wednesday, and Medford, Oregon, where there were about 350 people in the room on Thursday. That's great. Um, both wonderful groups of people, and um, hopefully we have some of more of them listening to the radio program now than we did before I showed up. Um, but no callers yet today, so shall we turn our attention to the email bag? Yes, let's. Here we go. My eight-year-old daughter is a lot like the characters in the book, The Explosive Child, but everything seems to set her off. If it's not her way, she acts up regardless of places or people. I'm confused on how to help her because I'm not understanding what skills she is lacking. Could you explain it a little more, please? Happy to. Um, here we go. What you want to do is you want to get on the Lives in the Balance website if you haven't already, and you've been on the Lives in the Balance website because your email came through the Lives in the Balance website. You want to go to the home page and click on the Walking Tour for Parents in the blue section. And in the Walking Tour for Parents, there's three sections. Um, Change your lenses, identify lagging skills and unsolved problems, start solving problems. You probably do want to view the videos in the um, change your lenses section first. But then in that second section, there's a 45-minute audio recording to teach you how to identify lagging skills and unsolved problems using the instrument that I developed called the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems to help you do it. And there will be a link in that section to that, into, to that uh, instrument, the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. It's just one sheet. And that's going to help you figure out what lagging skills are and what unsolved problems are. Now, here's the synonym for unsolved problems unmet expectations. An unsolved problem is an unmet expectation. 
It's lagging skills that make it difficult for your eight-year-old daughter to meet those expectations. But you need to be specific about what the skills are, and there's a list of them on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and you're just going to check them off. And as I always tell people, that's the easiest part of completing the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, checking off a lagging skill. Identifying unmet expectations, unsolved problems, that's the challenge for everybody. But you've got a 45-minute recording to help you do it. And you've got this radio program to call into if you're still having trouble after you've listened to that recording and practiced a little bit. Um, It's those unmet expectations or unsolved problems that you're going to be solving with your child. So believe it or not, it's actually less It's important, but it's less important to know what skills your daughter is lacking and more important to know what unsolved problems you could be busy solving with her, those very unsolved problems that are setting her off when she has difficulty meeting them. Susie, anything to add to any of that? Uh, Yes, I do. My son uh, was a lot like her eight-year-old daughter that it just seemed that everything would set him off. And it was so helpful uh, to keep a log for a week um, and recording the different unsolved problems that came up. Um, We didn't have the set back in our day, but um, we did prioritize And in our family's case, there was only one thing we worked on at a time instead of two or or three problems. Um, It was, you know, in getting the right lenses on, it's like a math or a reading problem, and so you don't want to punish or consequence the child for that. You want to figure out the problem together and get her the help that she needs. My mantra that kept me going was that children do well if they can, and if they can't, something must be getting in the way And for us to figure out what it was and to be responsive to it. Um, And lastly, I had to get a little creative. Um, My son wasn't talking much in those days, so I had to get a little creative as to ways to meet him on his level. and to um, have a plan B conversation. And plan B is a process, and it takes time, but um, it does work, and I'm here to tell you that it does. Well, that's, that's, of course, one of the big reasons we have you on the program, because our other option was to have Sony on the program for whom plan B didn't work, and that just didn't seem to make as much sense. I'm nodding my head. (laughs) (laughs) We have a caller. We have an email from someone over in the United Kingdom, but our caller beat us to it. Um, So here we go. Area code 917, you are on the air. What's up today? Hi. I'm having trouble um, getting my son out the door in the morning. And, you know, I've tried having a number of conversations to get at what the issues are. And I was just wondering if, we could talk through how, because I, I imagine this is a common problem with 
challenging kids, you know, how to actually work through this and, and be a little bit more successful. Yes. Tell us tell us what it sounds like so far. So the issue is, you know, and I've, I've tried waking him up at all different times, you know, give him more time, give him less time. Um, but no matter how close we get to being on the verge of being ready in time to get out the door, there always seems to be something at the 11th hour that sets him off. And usually it's when he's doing his hair, he decides he doesn't like how his hair looks, or he says he's too tired and he gets back into bed. Uh, those are the two things that that's continuously seem to come up. And, you know, I've tried, again, like waking him up at different times, talking to him about how, you know, what we could do in the morning to make it easier for him, eliminating everything that's not essential to do in the morning. I mean, we're, you know, we're down to literally get out of bed, get dressed, eat breakfast, and do your hair. And doing your hair is his thing, not my thing. I mean, and that's it. We have his backpack by the door. His clothes are out. Um, But, you know, I think there's something about a piece of him probably doesn't want to leave the house and go to school. Well, now here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You're right. That's a very common problem. And not just in behaviorally challenging kids. A lot of kids have trouble getting out the door to go to school in the morning. My question is, how well do we yet... And so here's the thing. What what the CPS model brings to the table is a process for solving problems collaboratively and proactively. So what you're calling about is one specific unsolved problem, and there's no doubt that it can be a hard one. The big question is, is the process being applied? And... So my question is, do we yet, because you've done a lot, uh, boy, I can't, you know, I can't think of much more that could be done to make it, to facilitate your son getting out the door in the morning. But whenever I hear about solutions that don't seem to be working, what I ask myself is, do we yet have the clearest possible understanding of what's making this hard for him in the first place? If not, and, and boy, I cannot tell you, um, the the um, I cannot tell you how many solutions I've seen littering the road <laughs> on problems that were not yet well understood, concerns that were not yet well identified. Right. So that's that's the big question as it relates to the process. Um, it does sound like you have tried talking with him a little bit. That's one of the things you said you had tried to do. What right. did you? What did you learn from him when you spoke to him about this problem? I mean, he says that he's just too tired, that uh, that essentially that he's exhausted, that it's hard to get out of bed, which I have no doubt is a piece of the equation and maybe even a big piece of the equation. It's just that, you know, most people just accept that, okay, they're tired, but they have no choice. They need to get up and go to school or they need to get up and go to work. And they do it. And in his case... He, you know, really just digs in about how tired he is. Yeah. Well, and here's the interesting thing about what most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, what in my work with behaviorally challenging kids, I have found that they know what most people do. They they know what expectations most people are meeting, and they even know what expectations we want them to meet. The problem is knowing it, and knowing that most people do it, still doesn't make it happen for them. Right. Well, that's definitely and, the case with him. And, and the morning is just, you know, just one example. I just thought it would be 
a universal one for anyone listening to this show. It's, it's, it's a pretty common one. You're right. But here's the deal. It sounds like you got a crucial piece of information. This is, this is I, I got to tell you, this is classic. This is a crucial piece of information because all of the interventions you have applied, what we might call solutions, mm-hmm. are related to getting him out the door in the morning. But in the little bit that it sounds like he's told you, the problem isn't that he's having trouble getting out the door. The problem is that he's tired. And mm-hmm. so it sounds like, you know, when you're using this model, once you find out what's making it hard, you then start trying to figure out what the solution to what you've learned is going to be. But we've and, also um, tried we've also tried putting him to sleep earlier. Yeah. Right, to and, address the tiredness. Yeah. And that if if we actually get him to go to sleep earlier and fall asleep earlier, it does help a little bit, but it doesn't solve the problem. Well, and well, if you get him to, he's less tired. Do I take it that you're having trouble getting him to? Getting him to go to sleep, you mean? Yeah. Yes, he doesn't want to go to sleep earlier, even though he knows that it will help him. Got it. So it sounds like that's the main part of the problem that needs to be solved. It sounds like what he's basically telling you is you can put my backpack next to the door and eliminate almost everything about my morning routine till the cows come home. If we don't do something about the too tired part, then this problem still isn't going to be solved. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what he's telling you. It right. does sound, I'm not sure what your solution was to the tired part. I get it that going to bed earlier is the logical solution to being too tired. I just don't know what the plan was to actually make it happen. But it sounds like once you all have a plan in place for that to happen, and once again, this is not about logic necessarily, him appreciating that if he gets more sleep, that would be a good thing is all well and good. But if you don't have a plan in place that works for him so that he's able to get more sleep, then we don't mm-hmm. have a solution yet. Right. Um, but it does, it does sound, just on the little bit that I'm hearing, that that's the piece that is most crucial given the little bit that he has told you about what's hard about getting up to go to school in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it does sound like it's not like you haven't made no progress in terms of gathering information from him. Right. It does sound like you have a bunch of solutions in place that aren't going to address what's really the matter. And believe it or not, as calm as it is, common as it is for kids to have trouble getting out the door to go to school in the morning, I'll tell you what's even more common for us adults to put solutions in play that don't address what's really getting in the kid's way. That's well, the crucial piece. What I mean, like I said, I have tried to get him to go to sleep earlier to help with the sleep thing, and sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not. And I would say regardless of whether we're successful or not, he's, it's still challenging in the morning. But even, I guess the question is, there's a limit to how early you can get kids to go to sleep. I mean, we could, my takeaway from this is I'm going to work on getting agreement from him on an earlier bedtime. But I think the reality is, and there's all sorts of research on this, right, that schools just start too early for kids. I mean, he's not going to go to bed at 7 p.m., which is probably when he needs to go to bed to get the number of hours um, required for him not to feel tired. So no matter what, I'm going to wind up with a kid who's at least a little tired. 
I don't know. Um, you, you could be right. It sounds like even on the days when he does go to bed at a reasonable hour, he's still tired in the morning. So you may end up with a solution that has multiple components to it. But here's the, here's the part that troubles me. I'm hearing the, the only thing I'm hearing about the solution on getting him to bed earlier, and maybe it, it's more complicated than this. Maybe there's more to it than what you've said, is you mm-hmm. trying to get him to go to bed earlier or mm-hmm. him agreeing to go to bed earlier. And what I'm hearing is that you trying and him agreeing isn't getting him to bed earlier reliably. And right. what that tells me is that we still don't have a solution in place that's working at getting right. him the amount of sleep he needs at night. And you're right, you're not going to be able to do anything about, you're right, the research does say, and a lot of school systems have done something about this, but a lot haven't. The research does say that school, for, especially for older kids, should be starting later. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're not getting enough sleep, and because of their um, rhythms, they need to sleep later. Mm-hmm. Um, so could be difficult no matter what, but it could be easier than it is. I'm just not hearing about an especially solid solution that's in place for him getting more sleep at night beyond you getting him to and him agreeing to. And you getting him to and him agreeing to wouldn't be solid in most circumstances, and it doesn't sound like it's very reliable in this circumstance. So it does sound like there's more to be talked about and with a solution on the getting to bed earlier. Let me ask you this. Have you taken the walking tour on the Lives in the Balance website yet? Uh, I've certainly been around your site. I don't know if I did the walking tour. The walking tour is going to walk you through what Plan B is supposed to look and sound like. Okay. Because it sounds like you and your son are doing some talking, Mm -hmm. but it also sounds like you and your son are not necessarily talking in the way people talk when they're doing Plan B. Okay. Because there's there's three discrete steps involved in doing Plan B. The first is the empathy step, which is where we are gathering information from the kid, your son. And the truth is, I would I would divide this problem in two. I would I would probably start with difficulty getting to bed at a reasonable hour at night. Okay. So step number one is you're going to gather as much information from him about that as you possibly can. What's hard about getting to bed earlier? What, what, what's getting in the way? Step number two is called the define adult concern step. That's where you're entering your concern or perspective into consideration. And I think we have a decent idea about what your concern or perspective is going to be. If he doesn't get enough sleep, it's very hard for him to get up to go to school in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then discrete step number three is where you and he are collaborating on solutions to try to come up with one that is that meets two criteria. It's got to be realistic, meaning you can both do what you're agreeing to do. So him agreeing to an unrealistic solution really doesn't accomplish anything. It's got to be realistic, and it's got to be mutually satisfactory, meaning mm-hmm. both of your concerns are addressed by the solution. Those three discrete steps do make a difference, and they are what separate Plan B, solving problems collaboratively, from just plain old talking about it. I think those three steps are going to serve you well in your next discussion with your son, but you've got to learn about them first, and that's what the walking tour is for. I would recommend okay. it highly. Let's see if Susie wants to weigh in here before we let you go. Um. Well, first of all, thanks so much for calling in. And um, just to say that 
in the invitation step of Plan B, it it does leave the child with a reminder that Plan B will need to be revisited if it's not resolved. And usually the first solution um, will not stand the test will not um, stand the test of time, that it's very common for you to have to go back and revisit the problem a couple of times and don't get discouraged about it. That's part of the process. Um, And I also, I was wondering, just by the way, how's school going for him? Um, in what respect? This year, is uh, is he able to, you know, complete, participate in the class and and homework assignments and? Yeah, I, I would say you know our, his challenges are much more apparent at home. Uh-huh. Um, I you know I think he works very hard to keep it together at school. Yes, and so you know, we become sort of his punching bags at home. Right, he has to let down somewhere, yeah. Right, so in school, you know, he's not not perfect by any means. He's not exactly like, you know, the teacher's pet, but he's reasonably good, Mm -hmm. well behaved. Mm -hmm. Um, Just wondering about that. Um, and, And just that, you know, you are indirectly teaching these skills that are lagging proactively and collaboratively um, that you're focusing on unsolved problems and not the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not as much as I should be in terms of focusing on the unsolved um, or lagging skills as opposed to the behaviors, but trying, you know, since coming across this work. Right. Well, it don't be too hard on yourself. It takes time for for parents too, and it's just great that you're thinking about a different approach and trying it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I believe in this. It's just a matter of getting it to work. Well, yeah. and and here's the good part: believing in it is step number one. That's often a little quicker. Getting good at it um, that can take a little longer. Um, so be patient with yourself. Take the walking tour. Give it a whirl. And um, you know the phone number if you need more help. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye. We have another caller from area code 937, and this person has been waiting on hold for about 15 minutes, so let's get him or her on as quickly as possible. Great. Area code 937, what's up today? Hi, Dr. Green and Susie. You last. <laughs> with my husband a few weeks ago and seemed like it was a success story in regard to our eight-year-old son playing safely with his little sister. Since then, things have not gone so well. Um, I think I might be losing my husband on this uh, approach. So I thought I would call in and uh, maybe give you the specifics of our last Plan B meeting on this topic and see what you think. We'll do our best. Okay. So I'll be very specific here because I took notes. So we started with, you know, I noticed you're having difficulty playing safely with your little sister. What's up? He responded, it's fun. I can't help myself. It's not that I won't tell you. I just don't have an answer for that. 
well, are there other things you could do that are fun? Because the last time we spoke with him, we came up with a long list of other things he could do, and it seemed like that was working for a little while. He responded, no, and then started screaming, no, 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 as he's burying his head into the bed. We explained you know, our concern about her possibly getting hurt with the way that he's playing, um, and his response was, I, I do it on the carpet and not near the fireplace. Okay, what do you do? What do you not do? Slide tackle. Okay, why do you like to slide tackle your baby sister? It's fun, and she likes it. Would she like it if she bumped her head on the fireplace? No, and he's screaming at this point. I said I don't do it anywhere she gets hurt. Okay, well, could we work on a solution? We need to find a solution that works for all of us. No, we don't. I can't stop it. I can't take this anymore. I don't want you to do this ever again. So we said, well, will you try to stop tripping her and slide tackling her? No. If you were a kid, you would do it too. I'm so stressed. It's never fun. We should never have these talks uh, and stormed out of the room. Goodness. Yes. So we are feeling like he's not motivated to change this behavior. Well, now you're still merging two different models. There's a few things I would um, say about what you've described. Okay. Uh, that that may be um, making things difficult for him. But some of this is a little technical. Okay. In your description of your doing plan B, it sounds like you started off okay. Difficulty playing safely with your sister. But at some point along the way, it actually became about his behavior. And a lot of kids, when you talk to them about their behavior, become defensive, um, think they're in trouble, and won't participate. So you may have had an experience of that. But it also sounds, and this is even more technical, like you left the empathy step very quickly. The minute you heard it's fun, you asked, can we think of some other fun things that you could do? And actually, that's the kind of thing that you would say in the invitation. Because to tell you the truth, I don't have a very clear sense about what his concern or perspective is on this yet. Which means staying in the empathy step a whole lot longer. Because it sounds like you all started talking about solutions way before it might have been productive to start talking about solutions. Now, it's not only your it sounds like it's not only your son we have to keep hanging in there. It's your husband, but um the thing is um it's going to take some plan Bs before plan B's not magical and it takes a while for folks to get good at it. And we don't want to be throwing the towel in on plan B. I understand that him hurting your daughter is a big deal. There are interim things you could do about him being with your daughter that could be put in place. And this would have a little bit more to do with plan A about the degree to which he's allowed to play with her outside of adult supervision while you all are working toward a solution. 
I'm not a big fan of plan A, especially over the long term. But when it comes to safety, uh, there are times when I'll entertain plan A. Uh, So there are things you can do to keep your daughter safe that would not involve punishment, that would not involve being punitive of your son, but would involve um, limiting his exposure to her outside of adult supervision, because that's when he's most likely to hurt her. Whether what he said to you once he got agitated is meaningful or not, I have no idea. Back in earlier editions of The Explosive Child, I used to refer to something called mental debris, which is what comes out of people's mouths once they're agitated. Mm -hmm. The best piece of information you have so far is that he thinks it's fun, but it does sound like it went south from there, but possibly because... Um, we were no longer talking with him about his concerns. We were instead prematurely talking about solutions, and it sounds like it mostly became about his behavior. So you really want to stick with, in the empathy step, his concerns. And so just to give you an example of, on the Lives in the Balance website, in the resources section, in the paperwork section, there's something called the drilling cheat sheet. Yes, we have. Good. Stick with it, because what I was hearing, and maybe you were giving a rather brief description of what you all were actually saying, but you really want to stick with the drilling strategies, and in this case, especially reflective listening. If he says it's fun, we say it's fun. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I like when, and I think that this is this is the lad who has said that he likes when his sister laughs. Yes. Yes. Got it. I like when my sister laughs. I would still do reflective listening. You like when your sister laughs. Tell me more about that. So, truth is, I would be doing a lot of reflective listening with him. Remind me, what was the solution you all came up with in the earlier Plan B? It was a list of other things that he could do with her that would make her laugh. So it was plain blocks, plain. So we got that other list, and and we've reminded him of that. Well, I already did all those things with her, so you know now I want to do these rough things with her. Got it. So here's the interesting thing. Whenever you have a solution in place, and I, I liked that solution, but um, whether I liked it or not often has very little to do with whether it's going to stand the test of time. Um, basically what you've run into is a fairly common scenario, and that is that the solution didn't stand the test of time, which means we go back to plan B just as you did, but the reference point here is the earlier solution. I've noticed that our list of fun things to do with your sister so she laughs was working for a while, but isn't working now. Tell me about that. Well, I already did everything on the list, and now I want to do the stuff that um, is a little rougher. Now I would still do reflective listening, because basically you are back to learning more about where he's coming from. Um, the drilling st- another drilling strategy that I might use is, um, what are you thinking? Tell me what you're thinking about the things that you've already done and the things that you feel like you want to go back to. Long and short of it is, you have a solution that didn't work, That's not an uncommon scenario. It's time to go back to gathering information from him. But this time about the solution, what part of it did work, what part of it didn't work, don't worry, you'll get to voice your concerns again. 
in the define adult concerns step. I just think you want to take your time and go back through the process again on your way to a solution. What do you think? A revised solution. Uh, well, um, what are your thoughts on having to basically bribe him to have this discussion? Because since then, anytime we want to talk, it's, no, I said I wasn't going to talk about that ever again. So in, unless I bribe him with a piece of cake or something that he really wants, I don't know if I can ever even get him engaged in on this topic again. Well, um, sometimes people have trouble believing that this comes out of my mouth, but when it comes to getting a kid to participate in early Plan Bs, I'm actually not allergic to bribery. Whether, okay. I, would recommend, whether I would recommend a piece of cake or not, I'm not sure. Um, bribery never lasts forever. So, and, and, and in fact, my experience is that bribery can get a kid into one or two Plan Bs. And then if he's not feeling like this is um, working for him, it doesn't matter what you use as bribery, he's still not going to participate. So your next few Plan Bs are going to be pretty crucial. Um, you know, what I usually recommend is that parents say to a kid, you know, I do want to talk about this with you again, but I understand that you're reluctant. Um, and I understand that you don't like it. Maybe me and you can go do something fun and talk about it while we're doing it. Um, or maybe we could talk and then go do something fun. Um, so I would call that sort of low-key bribery. Um, but the reality is we kind of got to get your kid to the point, A, that he's willing to talk to you about problems, and bribery is only going to take you so far in that department. There's something about plan B that he's a little skittish about and based on your description I can't say that I know what it is my best guess is that it's because you went a little too quickly to solutions and that he may have felt like he was in trouble so you may have to do some reassuring along those lines and let him know that in your first next conversation all you really want to hear you're not talking about solutions you're certainly not talking about his behavior he's not in trouble you're not mad. You just want to understand where he's coming from on the playing with his sister bit. Okay. Susie, yeah, anything just... more to add to that? Um, yes. I've had a child and a husband fly off the handle and say that they're not doing any more Plan B conversations. And that's their Plan A. And I calmly and simply said that, you know, we're using this model. Um, I don't think you want me going down the jerk path and imposing punishments and consequences again. Um, this approach understands our family and makes sense to me. Um, I, I just think that it's great that you're sticking with the model and um, and I know that it's hard. The um, implementation can take a while, and and it's very hard work. Um, and also, I agree with Dr. Green. I just that sometimes kids need it so that they don't have to talk and and just reassuring them that they're not in trouble, that you're just trying to understand. You've got our number. 
You can call back any time. We're going to be off the air. Don't lose faith until our first program of 2016, okay? Okay. Thank you both. And um, give it a whirl. Let's see if he'll come back around. Um, to, To Susie's point, while many adults are insistent that a kid behave the way they want him to, that's one form of adult insistence. Another form of adult insistence is simply insisting firmly, we're going to solve this problem, and we're going to do it together. And that form of insistence seems to work a whole lot better. Your son may need that form of assistance. Let's see where bribery gets you a time or two. Call call us back and let us know how it's going. All right. Thank you. I think we'll be back again on January 4th, yes? That's the first day back, yep. Mm -hmm. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. You too. Take now, Susie, we have one more caller, and um, we have eight minutes left in the program. So let's see who, what our caller from Area Code 620 has to say, and we'll see if we have enough time to help this person. Area Code 620, you're on the air. What's up? Good morning, y'all. Hi, Susie. Hi, Dr. Hi. I had a feeling it's about me. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, and I know I'm late calling in, but I was listening um, intently to the previous caller, too, because um, all of that is just great reminders for me. Um, knowing that we have short time, I have um, a question for you, Dr. Green. Go for it. My beautifully explosive son, who's been doing so well communicating things and we're He's doing so good talking. Um, We're headed into kind of a tricky situation that I would love your uh, insight to. Um, We just found out yesterday, not not my son, but my husband and I just found out yesterday that his best friend, who's a neighborhood kid, that he rides his bike to the house to, we pick this child up every morning and take him to school and bring him back with us, his best friend is moving on Friday. Friday? Friday. This Friday. Keep going. That's and not much notice, is it? No, it's not much notice. And so um, my husband asked me last night, what do you think we can do to be proactive with how our boy is going to feel about not only losing his neighborhood best friend, but also as we start back to school, as he starts back to school January 4th, not having his typical morning routine and all that. So we... I'm a little bit worried that we need to, you know, put some proactive sort of conversations in place mm-hmm. for his first time dealing with this. And I know that we've only got a few minutes left, but what are your initial thoughts? Well, first of all, you all have quite a track record now of successful Plan B. And yeah. not just you and your husband, but also you and your son. Yeah. So... um you guys have solved many problems, and actually, you'd be the best one to rank them in terms of degree of difficulty. Yeah. This is a difficult yeah. one, but um, you've handled some other difficult ones before, and your son has come through with shining colors. Yes. He he may now he may on this one too. Um, you know, one of the things I've been writing about lately is that the more Plan B you do, the more faith you have in yourself that you're going to be able to do it well. And then you have increasing faith that your child is going to be able to do it well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know what, he might 
surprise you and not handle it so well. But if I was a betting man, and I'm not a betting man, but if I was a betting man, um, I'd bet that you all are going to be able to do Plan B together on this. And as you know well, Plan B is a process. So even if the first one doesn't go swimmingly, you know you're in the process. And you, you've had some initial Plan Bs not go swimmingly too. Yeah. Um, and you've you've come out the other side of them. Um, and so I actually have faith that this one may go better than expected, but that it will ult- that you ultimately will come to a solution with your son, yeah. and that he's gonna. Bottom line is he kind of has to handle it, and you all are there to give him advance notice, yeah. prep him for it, and come up with some solutions for the parts of it you think are going to be hardest for him. But my bet yeah. is that he can tell you some of the parts that he thinks could be hardest. The hardest part may be the fact that it's a surprise. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't handle surprises very well. Right. Ch- change is hard, impossible, actually. And and so that I guess that's my other question is, do we say, hey, buddy, we have something to tell you, your your buddy's moving as of Friday, or do we wrap that announcement into a Plan B conversation already? Um, well, I think and no matter how you word it, he's going to know that his friend's moving on Friday. Yeah. What I might do is remind him that you all have solved some biggies together mm. and that you have one, you're not sure, because I don't, I don't want to sort of, I don't, I know that we are thinking that the surprise aspect and the friend-moving aspect is going to be very hard for him. Believe it or not, he could surprise us there. It's good to anticipate it. But I wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to set him up with my words for him to Mm. go into this thinking that it's massive. He he may not feel that it's massive. Mm. So I I might be a little bit – I might not be – I might not certify this one as a biggie until you see his reaction to it. But I might say to him, you know, we've solved a lot of problems, and there's another one that you've just heard about that could be a hard one for him. You're not sure. He'll have to let you know. Um, but we've got one that we've got to solve now, too, and here it is. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if I'd be too hell-bent on a solution early on. What I might do in the empathy step is think about, um, you know, just gather information about his initial thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. I might give him the freedom to think about it a little bit and talk about it later once he's had a chance to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. kid, kids who aren't great at surprises often aren't great at knowing how they feel about the surprise when they've been surprised, yeah. and so he may need a little time. Yeah. Um, but I guess my bottom line is I got faith in you guys. I got faith in yeah. him. I got faith in you and your husband. Y'all have done this. Y'all are seasoned plan Bers, your son included. He he, he may surprise yeah. and impress you with how he saw, handles this. Yeah. He's gotten so good. I mean, he he will literally come up and say, hey, Mom, I, I need Empathy Corner right now. Uh. Which you'll remember, it's just an opportunity for us. All we do is sit down and empathize. No solutions, no dragging it out. He says each concern one and empathize, and then he gets an empty bucket and he's done. And other times he'll come up and say, Mom, can we have a plan B about this? And, you know, so he, he's he got the vocabulary for it. I, I, I know that 
I, I'm just scared. <laughs> I'm scared because <laughs> I remember that heartbreak of moving personally. Yes. So. Well, then you won't have any difficulty empathizing. But yeah. remember, you're empathizing with him, yeah. and he, although you are remembering how hard it was for you, yeah. he may have a different experience of it. So um, you don't want to talk him into feeling bad. You want to roll with what you actually get from him. That's great. Thank you. And let us know how it goes if you feel like it. Um, we're back yeah. on on January 4th, and um, uh, if I was a betting man once again, I'm putting my money down on you guys, and it's a, it's a big bet. Yeah. I know we can do it. I know we can do it, but thank you for the reminder to give him the chance. You bet. Thanks for calling. Have a good holiday. You bet. Yeah, happy holidays to you guys. Bye, Susie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, Susie, on that note, we are going to call it a day, and we're going to call it a year, too. Thanks for doing this all of 2015. Susie? Pleasure, as always. And we'll be back in 2016 with more. Take care, everybody. Happy holidays. Take care.